We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. What is going on? How you doing? Welcome to Talk About Flow Podcast, where we often highlight but are not limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you very, very much for locking in today. It's Casual Friday. That means I'm going to have my man Joe Yurden on with me. We'll get to that in just a quick minute. Really, really quick here, though. A quick note. If you didn't notice on Tuesday, and I sure hope that you did, there was no new episode of Talk About Flow podcast. Typically, we have new episodes on Tuesday, and then today, Friday. And then sometimes we have some bonus random episodes scattered throughout the month. But the reason why there was no episode on Tuesday was because the Blue Wire Podcasting Network, which this podcast is a part of, underwent a platform change. We switched hosts. If uh, pod geeks out there, if you really want to know, wondering specifically, we went from Simplecast to Megaphone. Those are two different podcasting platforms. It was a a company-wide switch. So basically, if you have an episode that drops on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and you're part of the Blue Warrior Podcasting Network, basically you were SOL this week. So anyway, I had to do a lot of boring tech stuff that you don't care about and you won't even notice going forward. So there's that. Additionally, my kid graduated from high school on Wednesday, so that made my week even more crazy. But anyway, we're back today. Joe and I are going to chat. Joe went to Salem's Field on Tuesday, the Buffalo Bisons. I shouldn't, let me take that back. See, I'm so used to saying that. The Buffalo Blue Jays, at least for right now anyway, hosted a baseball game in Buffalo with fans for the first time in 106 years, Joe was there. He'll talk about his experience with that. We'll talk about the Sabres winning the draft lottery. A couple guys that he likes. We'll continue on something we hinted at last week, which was a significant TV ratings drop when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres and their fans. Uh, we'll dive into that a little bit. Talk a little more hockey. And then we'll do our weekly starting five draft. Last week, I kicked Joe's ass in HBO Original Series. This week, we'll see if he can get back at me. We're going to be drafting a starting five of mobster slash gangster movies. That's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, I don't want to waste any more time here at the top. Let's just dive right into it. Plenty to talk about today. My man, Joe Yerden. 
All right, I'm joined Casual Friday, as always, by my buddy, Joe Yurden, who went to his first, I shouldn't say his first, but the first <laughs> baseball game in Buffalo, professional Major League Baseball game in Buffalo in 106 years where fans were in the crowd. Joe was part of that. We'll get to that in a minute. But anyway, what's going on, man? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. It's uh, glad the week's over because the whole week I fe- I've been feeling a day off yeah. all, all week. Like today I thought it was Wednesday and then I was like, no, it can't be. No, it, it's got to be something else. Because <laughs> I was like, I got to tape. I got to tape pods today, right? And I had to look at the calendar on my phone and see that it was actually Thursday. So the holiday messed me up. Something yeah. unbelievable. Messed me up too. And on top of that, I talked about this a little bit in the intro. So Monday was a holiday, and then the Blue Wire Network, which is the the podcasting network that this podcast is a part of, underwent this big platform change. So everything was off. Usually I have a Tuesday episode. I do a Tuesday, like I have random guests on and then me and you do our Friday thing. So I couldn't do a Tuesday show this week. So that made me feel off. And then yesterday, my son, well, we're taping this again, as usual on Thursday afternoon, Wednesday morning, my son graduated. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks now Mm -hmm. on this show. My son finally did it. He graduated from high school. That's over and done with. That was Wednesday morning at eight o'clock which is crazy. It was at a baseball field outside of a comp field in Bradenton. So that just, yeah, I'm, I'm completely off to, and, uh, just been a kind of a whirlwind, man, you know, just so many things going on. What's up with the schools doing eight o'clock graduations. My college graduation was eight o'clock in the middle of May, <laughs> like, and somehow it snowed that morning, the middle of May. Of course it's Oswego, New York. So like, that's, it's not out of the question. I'll tell you real quick. So, They had the ceremony 8 a.m. on a Wednesday outdoors at a baseball field where the Pittsburgh Pirates, their single A team plays down here in Bradenton. So they had Mm -hmm. it at Lacombe Field. And even at 8 a.m., dude, I'm telling you, man, I had a polo shirt on, khaki shorts, you know, kind of casual gear. Um, My wife had a sundress on. She was okay. And then the kids had on their cap and gown and a lot of them including my son had t-shirts and shorts underneath it was just so freaking hot in florida i swear to you joe so the ceremony started like around eight, a little bit after eight by nine o'clock i looked at my phone it was 81 degrees out humid sweating my mm-hmm. ass off my, my my son told me two girls 15 minutes into the ceremony were suffering from heat exhaustion almost at like at heat strokes they had the paramedic had to come and Two girls didn't even end up walking up to the stage and, and getting their diplomas. They had to get taken out because it was so hot. It's just that time of year. It was just really off and, and really weird. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm happy it's over and done with. And that the ceremony, the ceremony itself was cool. Very sentimental all week. I wrote this big, long Facebook post dedicated to my son. You know, just an outpouring of emotion. Just so many things going through my mind we've talked about a few of these things on the show but mm-hmm. yeah dude 8 a.m man come come the fuck on man. <laughs> so cold or not so cold so warm it was just uh it was absurd put it in i mean i guess you can't put it inside because covid and all that but like still like my goodness i guess 8 a.m is the best to like try to avoid most of the heat but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they could have put it inside this is florida covid's canceled in florida didn't you know that already oh Oh, that's right. I forgot. COVID didn't go to Florida. <laughs> One step closer for me, though, to Buffalo. Uh, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be there yet for. I do know I'm going to be there for a minimum of the summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be up there in either three weeks, four weeks, or five weeks. It's going to be one or the other. I'll figure that out pretty soon. A couple, couple moving parts soon. But uh, 
looking forward to getting up there. I'll tell you one of the reasons, and, and I kind of hinted at this, is baseball is, well, baseball is always a thing in Buffalo in the summer with the Bisons, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, on a much higher level, like I said, the first Major League Baseball game that had fans in the crowd, Salem's Field, for the first time in 106 years. Toronto's back in Buffalo, this time with fans. You were there Tuesday night. That was really cool. Uh, And they got a win, too. They beat Miami. Uh, I was not too happy about that, by the way, because I got a pair of Marlins on my fantasy team who didn't do shit. (laughs) But uh, besides that, man, talk about that for a minute. Let's start there because, again, this is not something that typically on a Buffalo podcast people get a chance to talk about being at a Major League Baseball game in Buffalo. What was that whole experience like for you? Like, what was the process like getting into there, the vaccinated and non-vaccinated sections, just like your whole experience? What was that like? Well, first off, your fantasy team must be in real trouble if you've got a couple of Marlins on it to, to try to hold down the uh, to try to hold down the fort. So I, I feel bad for you there. But uh, but no, going going to the game like it was just the whole thing was just surreal. Like walking up and they've got the whole place is decked out with Blue Jays, Toronto Blue Jays, everything like the the sign out front of the out front of Salem's Field, you know, right near the statue, and like that's all decked out with Toronto Blue Jays, everything, the awnings on all the entrances blue and white everywhere and you know everything inside is all signed with blue jay stuff like you know every you know even like the uh, the section signs outside the stairwells have like the blue jay number font you know on the back of the jerseys like written out there it's like wow okay they went they went all out for this this is pretty cool and you know yeah. they, they have you know all the fences are blue uh, the new uh, the bullpens are now out in uh right center field like stacked up kind of like how it is at uh not coincidentally camden yards uh the way they've got them in left field left center field but um it's wild getting to see to see all that and, I, and like i was expecting the process of getting inside to be a little arduous just because you know you got to check you know if you're vaccinated they got to check your excelsior app or your your card or if you're not like you know make sure you keep your mask on well you had to have your mask on no matter what walking around like i walked through and i was like i figured oh, i'm vaccinated i don't have to wear a mask and right at the front the guy's just like oh you gotta put your mask on if, if you don't oh, have really? one, we'll get one yeah so i was a little surprised at that um but when I saw how it was, how it worked in the concourse and everything there, I fully understood. Uh, because if you were walking around at all, it's it's kind of how the bar rules were. Um, where if you're seated, you can take the mask off, you're fine. Uh, but the second you get up to walk around or go anywhere, mask got to be on. So I, that's good. Now, you know, not everybody was really adhering to that. There were some people that were just kind of like, listen, I already sat down and took my mask off. If I got to go up and go to the bathroom, I ain't putting it back on again. Like, all right, fine. But, uh, but like the, the way that they had the non-vaccinated section spread out made me kind of jealous because the vaccinated section was packed. <laughs> it was, I, it was loaded. I mean, not that I expected it to be any different, but it was, it was jammed, man. It was, it was really impressive to see that. But like the non-vax section, I was like, oh man, it'd be nice to just kind of spread out not, not have anybody you know within six feet of me because they potted it up either like in seat two seats of two or four um with some of the bigger sections and then spread it out and like opened up a bunch of a bunch of seats in between just to make sure that you know you're not on top of each other but i was like oh man that that that's actually my dream so <laughs> if you were not so if you were not vaccinated joe if you were non-vaccinated the the seats were spread out more but once you were sitting you still didn't have to wear a mask Correct. 
Well, that I sounds mean, like it least... sounds like a direct advantage to almost be non-vaccinated. Well, it, I mean, it, it seemed like I I'm guessing that's the way it worked on the non-vaccinated side too. I mean, I wasn't really zooming, you know, taking a close look there. Plus, I was I was a little bit up the line on the third base side, so um, it was a little tougher to see if anybody if they had to keep their mask on or not. But I'm assuming they didn't have to because I guess the solution there is that everybody's spread out, and if you're sitting in a pod together with people that you bought tickets with. You guys are together, so that that's fine. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like I said, it's it's the bar, it's the way the you know, the bar rules go. But I, I will say this now: when I go see, when I'm gonna I'm gonna be at uh, one of the Yankee games um, in a couple weeks, and uh, my my pal Dan Dunleavy was able to help me out with getting a couple of tickets for that. So, um, so that was very kind of him to do that. But his, but the, the tickets he got were in the were in the non-vax section because he he got advanced, uh, he got to get them advanced because he's a Bison's second t- season ticket holder. So that was cool. Um, but the the seats we got are on the non-vax side, and it's the same way. He's, he's like, yeah, you'll be a couple rows behind us. Um, like you know, he and his wife, and you know, me and my dad. I'm taking my dad to the game, dragging him out from from near Albany to come out for the game, and cool. You know, get to get to treat the old man for, to a game, so that's pretty cool. Um, and uh, so like we're you know we're gonna be like a couple of rows behind him. There's gonna be nobody you know you know nobody immediately around us. But like both my dad and I are vaccinated. I think Dan and Dan and his wife are vaccinated too. But it's just that's where your tickets are, so that's where you go. So it's not like it's not like everybody who's who's on the non-vax side is is non-vax, but like that's if you don't have, you know, if you aren't vaccinated, you have to sit over there because, you know, that's just the way it goes. But um, actually kind of OK that if you can get you can get a seat on either side, regardless, as long as long as you're vaccinated, you can sit anywhere you want. Um, but if you're not vaccinated, you you have to go on the, the other side. But um, but they I mean, every the security and everybody was just kind of feeling things out. Uh, as far as coming through, because I had my Excelsior pass ready to go. And I was like, yep, you need to look at this. And like, they didn't even scan it. They just looked at it. They're like, okay, you're you're good. And then uh, I had the ticket. I bought the ticket on StubHub. So I had that and they scanned that. They were good to go and off I went. But yeah, it's, but like a lot of the concession stands weren't like they did. Every single one of them wasn't open, which I think that's fine. Um, you can, you can live without having everything jammed up. That's, that's totally okay. Sure. Um, but the uh, but if you sit on the non-vax side, you have an easier reach to get to like the pizza logs, and like some of the really good stuff, like the, uh, the the what was the craft beer corner when you come through the main gate is now a big Blue Jays gift shop type setup. So um, so if you want to get a jersey, the jerseys were like 145 with a name on it, 120 blank, which all told for a baseball jersey is not bad. Right. Um, and then you know t-shirts were probably like 35, 40 bucks or something like that, but. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, I was starving by the time I got there. I bought a hot dog and ate it in five seconds. I didn't, I didn't even put anything on it. I was just like, I need to eat. I need to eat right now. The people sitting next to me were just like, this guy's going to be a disaster. But, uh, but I got to buy the Conehead beer from Conehead himself. He was, he was stationed, uh, at one of the beer stands out in left field. So that was really cool to see him there. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was a perfect night. It, you know, sun was out. It was gorgeous. It was didn't get too cold at night. There was no rain. I know it rained for the game Wednesday night, uh, but it was perfect. You couldn't ask for a better night. It was just awesome. Well, hopefully when you get a chance to watch the Yankees Blue Jays game, hopefully the Yankees start hitting by then because that offense is just absolutely oh my uh, God. Don't get me started brutal right now. So from your description to me, it almost sounds like 
not in life, okay? It's not in everyday, day-to-day life, but for the purpose of going to a baseball game, you can make a fair argument that it's almost advantageous to be non-vaccinated because you still got to, you still got to wear your mask. Oh, hear me out now. You still got to wear your mask when you get in or to walk in when you walk around and about whether you're vaccinated or not. That I don't personally like. I understand to an extent though. I, I mean, I do get it. I don't agree with it, but I understand that. But like in the vaccinated section, you said it's a lot busier. Like you're kind of like jam packed mm-hmm. where the non-vaccinated is more spread out where, so I, I'm, maybe it depends on your perspective on how you want to watch a game. Like, do you want to watch a game with a bunch of fans in your section, in your rows, and it feels more realistic or do you want to be spread out and comfy because that's the way the non-vaccinated side is. So if you want to go to a game and watch it and not really be bothered by people to your right and to your left and one row behind you in front of you, in a way it almost feels like, I don't know, maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, but it almost feels like it's in a way better to be non-vaccinated for this purpose. I would I would I, I agree with you on the comfort part of it because, you know, I don't I, you know, me and crowds don't I, you know, I don't I don't particularly care for it. Uh, but but non-vax, you have fewer tickets to pick from. Like that's that's the big thing, because tickets are tough to get. Like I was you know, when I was lo- I, you know, I was looking for a single ticket for for the first game and there were two on StubHub. Just like two, two single tickets. And I was just like, okay, you know, I got it for 70, 75 bucks. Like, that's fine. I guess the ticket itself, like normally was 60 and, you know, Hey, listen, I, I'll take that, you know, a mild markup on that. Fine. Fine. I'll do that. But like, if I was not vaccinated I, and I'm like, oh, I just want a single and both of them are in the vac section, you're screwed. Like that's, you know, that's, that's the whole part of it. But I don't know. I guess part of me does. I guess it's kind of an honor system a little bit too, because it's not like if you go in and you're like, yeah, I'm not vaxxed. And they just herd you away to go to the, you know, to go up the first baseline. All right, stupid, get over there and um, just stay on your side, stay on your side of the stadium. Like, I don't know how much they really cracked down on that, but I know like, you know, they weren't, they weren't taking anybody to task from what I saw walking on the concourse without a mask on. Uh, I didn't see anybody getting on their case about that. Um, and even like the ushers, if people came through with, without a mask on, they were the, the usher on our row was, he was very, he was very funny. He goes, he goes, he goes, listen, if anybody comes up to me, asking me a question about a mask, I just tell him, go down the aisle, just, just get away from me. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to you like this. It's, that's enough. So I was like, yeah, right on, man. Like, that's good. Now you need, you said either you could have your vaccination card with you mm-hmm. or the app, which is an Excel, your pass. See, I'm fully vaccinated. and. I've heard of an Excelsior pass, but I don't have one. So what is that? Just in, like, how do you go about getting one for someone who's vaccinated like me? Let's pretend I'm in Buffalo with you. And you said, yo, Pat, let's go to, uh, let's go to the game next week. And I want to get a ticket, you know, a vaccinated ticket. When I get to the, to the gate, how do I get an Excelsior pass? Like, what do you, what do you do? Uh, I think it's on the New York state website, the, uh, and, um, or you can just look for it. Like if you have an iPhone, you can just go to the app store and look for Excelsior pass. Um, and then the information you need to have is it's all the stuff that's on your vaccination card. Um, the most important parts of that are the location and the dates that you got your shots um, on because that'll they'll determine. You have to know what county you got your shots in. For me, that was a mildly tricky question because I got my shots in Rochester and I was like, wait a minute, what, what county is Rochester? And because I, I don't know, I my I, my Western New York geography is is pretty crappy now if it was anywhere like back home i'd be like oh yeah yeah i know i know exactly what county that is but i was like wait what's rochester i think it's i think it's monroe county i think 
<laughs> I might I might be wrong on that, but I but yeah, but it was but like they but like they break it down. As long as you know that first date, they're gonna be like, okay, you had any one of the, these three or four dates for your second shot, so just pick the right one. And it's easy as pie. Like just you can like I know on iPhones you can just add it to your wallet so you have it ready to go. Um I don't know about the uh I don't know about the Google phones or or Android phones, but uh, I imagine it's very similar. Sure. See, I'm kind of fascinated by this because this is one of the first opportunities and like over a year now where I've been able to to have an opportunity to even talk about somebody going to a game and what it's been like, you know, up until now, it's just been watching on TV or whatever have you. It feels to me from your description a little bit also like, so there's a lot of protocols and policies, you call them rules, whatever you want to call them. But at the end of the day, and I kind of feel like it's going to be like this with a lot of things you reference this you feel like it's a little bit on like the honor system to some extent. Like if you're going to lie, it's pretty relatively easy to, to get away with it. Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, because when you're buying the tickets, you don't have to, like if you're buying in the VAC section, you don't have to buy, like you don't have to show your card when buying the tick, like the tickets, like that's, that information isn't asked for, which is a little curious, which I mean, you know, I guess, and I don't know if that's their way of like trying to avoid putting too much information on the internet or whatever, but, um, but it's like they already make you have to sign up for a bluejays.com account so you can buy the tickets there. And, you know, if you're buying them on StubHub, like they don't, StubHub doesn't care. They don't give a shit. Like they're just like, yeah, right. you're buying tickets. Great. Thanks. Cool. Um, but in this case, like it's a little strange that they don't have some way to, to, to check that out. I know there, there's like a one question thing that they get, you know, if you go to try to buy tickets on the VAX section where it's like, you are, you know, you are uh, vaccinated properly, blah, 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 blah. And it's a blank. And it's just, you have to put in like, they're put, put in the password, but like the password is yes. <laughs> like, like Spoiler alert, everybody. Now everybody's going to go, go wild buying tickets where they shouldn't. But, um, but I mean, it's easy enough. Like it t- just tells you on the website, they're like, Oh yeah, just enter this and you're good to go. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's very honor system like, and I guess you could fake your way through it as long as you wear the, wear your mask, you know, to your seat and anywhere around in the concourse. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, the, I think there were, I think there were some things missed with trying to, uh, really cover their, cover their behinds on this. But I think, I think for a lot of these games, especially ones where like they were limiting the crowd, I think a lot of them were just kind of casually forgetting to either, you know, not scan a ticket or, you know, not, uh, not checking different things. Just being like, we just want butts in the seats. Let's go. COVID protocols and seating and all that stuff aside. So being at the game, a Buffalo Blue Jays or Toronto, whatever you want to call it, man, I'm calling it the <laughs> Buffalo Blue Jays for as long as they're playing in Buffalo. From the fans, did you get a sense? And again, COVID stuff aside, did you get a sense that fans were just there because, hey, man, I'm a baseball fan and I just really want to be out, take this opportunity in Buffalo, which never happens to be able to go to a major league baseball game? Or do you get a sense that fans are like really, truly enthusiastic about the home team in this case? Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Like for an example, down here in Florida, when you go to a Rays game or a Bucks game, maybe not so much now because bandwagon hoppers are, you know, all of a sudden big Tampa fans. But generally speaking, it's like it's like uh, just something to do. Going to a hockey game or going to a baseball or football game, you're not necessarily a fan of the team. You're just out. Like when did you get that sense? Now maybe because it's Miami and there's probably not a big fan base in Buffalo with Miami Marlins, so maybe mm-hmm. it's a little more lopsided. But like say when Cleveland comes to town, the Yankees, which you'll be there. 
you get a sense that the fans there are big time uh, Toronto fans or just, yo, man, I want to go to a major league baseball game in Buffalo. Like, what was your sense with that? I think it was a lot of, it, it were, there was a lot of people that were, yeah, granted it, it's the first game. So I, it's not a real test of it. You know, we, we'll see what happens when they play the Orioles, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of July or the Mariners in the middle of the week, like nobody's excited to watch the Mariners, you know, like Mariners, Blue Jays. I mean, you're going to probably watch Vlad just slam dingers all day, but, um, but in this case, I think it was an equal mix of people that are, that were like, this is major league baseball. It's coming here. It's going to be a special thing because who knows how long it's going to last. Um, but there were a lot of people who were Bison's who were Bison's fans and they've cheered for a bunch of these guys already that, that were in the lineup. Even one of the guys from the Marlins, John Birdie, he was a, he was a Bison's player for a couple of seasons too. Not that anybody was really coming out to see John Birdie, but, um, but, you know, seeing Bichette and seeing Guerrero and Teoscar Hernandez and, and guys like that were just like, Whoa, okay. We've, we've seen these guys already. This, you know, getting to see him on a different level and seeing Vladdy now that he's taken another step. He's into becoming. Oh, he's he's a hundred percent a stud. I mean, he went four for four in that game, with uh, he hit a double the other way, smashed a homer, a three run homer, and then he slapped a couple. Of, he didn't slap him, but he, he rocked a couple of singles the other way too, which was hilarious because the Marlins kept playing to shift him towards towards left field, and you know to the left side of the infield, and he just he just kept going. He, I mean, he's just like his old man. He does not care where it pitches. If he see, he thinks he's gonna hit it, he's gonna hit it. And he's probably going to hit it really hard too. So it, that part of him is just awesome to see. But, um, but I mean, you know, the fans have seen a lot of these guys already and they've been cheering for them as it is. And, you know, a lot of folks did buy Blue Jays gear to, to kind of gear up and just be like, Hey, they're with us. But it's, it's, it's a totally different thing now because Toronto seems to really care about having a team here. And I don't think you definitely couldn't say that with the Mets. And I know things ended with Cleveland on a pretty ugly note as far as being an affiliate. I don't know. Pittsburgh's so long ago at this point. I don't really know how that went. But um, but coming off of how bad it was with the Mets and seeing how, how much the Blue Jays really seem to care about Buffalo and getting things taken care of here, it's such a slam dunk thing for them because now you're getting a lot of young kids here who maybe watched Vladdy a couple of years ago or watched Bo Bichette, and now they see him in Toronto and they're like, whoa, we get to watch these guys all the time. And even better, the ML, you know, MLB.TV, Toronto games aren't blacked out on there, even though it's right across the lake because it's in Canada. So they, yeah. like, they, you get to watch Blue Jays games all the time. And you know, considering everybody's cutting the cord, plays right into the hands of, of the Blue Jays to kind of own Buffalo when it comes to baseball because why, why not? I mean, it's, it's going to get to a point where maybe at some point you get like a, one of those last spring training games that he played here, like at the end of March, which uh, you're probably asking for trouble trying to do that in Buffalo. But, um, but I know that they've done that now that, you know, or Yankee stadium, they've done that. Like they play the Mets, you know, like play at City field or something like that in the past anyways. But I mean, this is setting up so that you're going to have a lot of blue Jays fans here. I mean, right now you can say it's Yankees, Mets and Red Sox fans all over the place here that's going to change with this younger generation because they're going to be Jays fans. And they're going to love watching them. And you know what? They're fun. Like they hit teams don't hit the blue Jays hit like they hit a lot and they got a lot of pop in the lineup and they're pretty, they're pretty good. If they get the pitching, they'll be fine. Um, but like people want to see hits, people want to see dingers and nobody's, I mean, if you're hitting dingers, you're probably not hitting anything else and you're striking out a ton, but um, but the Jays are fun. And like, that's, 
that's playing right into the playing right into the Jays' hands because because uh, they're going to own Buffalo at some point. You know, that's a great point that you bring. I I think people my age, our age, maybe a little younger, and obviously much older. You you got your team, and that's not going to change. Buffalo playing or the Blue Jays playing in Buffalo for a year, maybe even if it's two years, that's not going to change. But yeah, man, targeting those teenagers, those those people in the twenties, the younger fans that mm. aren't really, you know, they're not as stuck with their team as somebody like you and I would be. Absolutely, they're going to get new fans because of what's going on now, and they're fun to watch. I mean, you just talked about this. This is a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. One more thing, you know what? Actually, two things. I'm looking forward to circling back because a couple of weeks ago we had a conversation about first the NBA and it kind of transitioned a little bit into MLB about it potentially being sustainable in Buffalo. And we had thoughts on that. And I want to circle back like after the summer and have a conversation with you. If you think major league baseball will be sustainable, maybe this summer will give you a little bit of a glimpse because you just talked about it right now. I don't care if they're playing Miami, what team they were playing. The stands are going to be packed. People are enthusiastic right now because it's been 106 years. But come late July, early August, when Bill's training camp has started mm-hmm. and they're playing like, you know, like the Kansas City Royals or whoever, a team that nobody cares about. Sorry mm-hmm. to say Detroit, but, you know, like, <laughs> like a team that nobody cares about. We'll see what enthusiasm and, and attendance is uh, looking like. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. One more question for you. And this is a kind of a personal question, not so much a baseball question, but so you go to a game as a fan, you buy a ticket, you sit there, you have your hot dog, you drink your beer, mm-hmm. and you're a fan, man. You can sit and do whatever the hell you want. You've also covered hockey for quite a while now as a media member where you have a press pass and you're up in the press box and you're covering the game and you got assignments to do and you go in a locker room afterwards and, you know, that, that, that's your living. That's what you do as a job. Forget about the, the work aspect of it purely as fun because mm-hmm. I've had... For, I'd be blessed to be able to do plenty of both as well. Do you enjoy going to games as a fan more where you could grab a bear and a hot dog, holler, scream, cheer for whatever team you want? Or do you enjoy going to cover a hockey game or whatever sport it may be where you're in the press box and yeah, it's free and you get some of the bells and whistles, but at the same token, no cheering, no, you know, you ain't going to sit there in the, in, the, in the press box and pound beers down as fun as that would be. You got a lot of rules and policies that you need to follow. Like as a sports guy, because you're a sports fan and a sports writer, but as a sports guy, what do you enjoy personally more? For me, it it's going as a fan, no matter what, um, because you have that freedom. You know, you you can you can be in the crowd and be closer to the action. You know, <laughs> it's very few places where you have a seat worse than than where the press box is located. At least you know, distance and and height wise anyways and baseball is definitely the case there because even though it's a great view you're not right on top of things i was four rows off the field <laughs> yeah you know that's like cool. uh, you know like that that's that's pretty awesome to see that and seeing the different interactions going on that you don't see happening because that's not what that's not what's going to be on camera um like that's that itself is cool and plus for me being in the press box that's work you know like that's I don't associate, I mean, it's, it's a fun job, but that's sure. work, but it's, it's still work. And I take it serious. I, it, none of the, none of the things that I've done, I've taken for granted at all. Like, you know, I've been to a, a couple of Stanley cup finals. I've been to an all-star game, you know, I've done, you know, co- covered all these events, you know, numerous drafts, all this stuff. I've been there for, for all these things. And, you know, I've walked on the ice after the, the Stanley cup was awarded interviewing players. Like that's, 
that's that's the coolest thing I've ever gotten to do. Period. Like flat out, that's the that's the greatest thing. That that was me taking selfies on the ice at TD Garden after the Chicago had knocked off Boston. You know, after I'm done doing the interviews, I'm like, oh, I need, I got to take a picture for this. <laughs> There's no way, yeah. you know, I'll never forget it. But also, I need to have this as like a bragging rights kind of thing. But um, but it, it, it's it's great and it's wonderful. And people are jealous of the fact that you get to do that and you don't have to pay to go to the games. I think that's, that that's the one difference is that if I'm working the game, I don't have to pay to be there. If I got to pay to be there, it's a little different, but you know, there's so many ways you can, you can not pay face value for, for tickets and, and have a good time. So that's for me, that's it's, you know, and it's not just being able to have a beer and, and a hot dog at the game. Like that's, you know, that's secondary. If you're going with your buddies or something, like it's just cool to just like sit back and enjoy the game. I'm not, I'm not a loud shouting guy. Uh, I used to be at college hockey games. Um, I used to be pretty obnoxious (laughs) when it came down to it, (laughs) but like pro games, like I'm, you know, I'm mellowed out now. It's like, I work in the business. So it's, you know, there's not a lot of me screaming at players that that'd be, be be dumb as hell on my part. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back and uh, we'll, Talk some sabers, and then we'll get to our starting five draft. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. So to me personally, Buffalo having Major League Baseball back in Buffalo, that was 
the fun story of the week, but the big story, I guess, for sports fans is that the Sabres won the draft lottery again. Uh, the reaction on at least Twitter, because I was on, so I, I, I was not home. Typically, I would have watched the draft, um, the lottery on TV, but I was out at an event, but I kept refreshing my phone. And uh, when the Sabres won, I went to where it was. Uh, it was what you would expect it to be. Let's, let's just say that's what Sabres Twitter has become known for. They do not let you down. But anyway, thoughts on the Sabres winning the draft lottery. Are they drafting Owen Power or Matt Berniers? And why is the correct answer not Owen Power? I'm just joking. <laughs> like, what, are your initial, what are your very early thoughts? And before you answer that, let me premise this too. You're going to have some time to think on it and do some research more on some of these guys. And you'll, you'll know more than you know now, which already is a plenty. But anyway, mm -hmm. your initial thoughts. I, I'm, I'm very much on the side of get a, get a forward. You know, you, need, you always need forwards. You always need goals. And I, Power's going to be a really good player. Um, so is Matty Benyers. Like, he's, he's going to be very good. Although I'm very concerned about the injury he had today at Worlds because he was saw he, that did almost like a baseball slide into the boards and his ankle, his didn't ankle did something that didn't look, didn't look like something an ankle should do. So I, I, I wonder if he maybe broke it or something, or if it's a high ankle sprain or something like that. Um, but the good thing is that it's, it's June. And if it's a break, that's the bet. That's probably the best thing because then it's six to eight weeks. Cool. Done. He's back for, he's back for the beginning of camp uh, for rookie camp. Anyways, um, he wouldn't be there for development camp, but I think you could live without that. That's, I think that's okay. Well, eh, maybe, I don't know. The draft is at a different time this year. So my, my calendar's way off. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but either guy, like I can't really make a definitive argument one over the other because they have so many stinking needs. Like they need to address everything. And that's it's something I've been we we say it every year about this team. Like you know what's what's the thing they really need most to to, to help develop their 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 pipeline? It's like well, take your pick. <laughs> you know, take the and it's it's crazy to say at the number one pick to say the take the best player available when you have the entire draft to pick from. Like it's crazy to say that, but honestly, that that's all you have to do. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to go you know, start doing super deep dives on it and talk yourself out of, out of this, that, or the other thing, just pick the best guy, pick the best guy that, that you've watched and everything. And like this draft is going to be really funny because hardly anybody's gotten to do any in-person scouting. If anybody's gotten to be able to do it and everybody's doing it over video and there's a very limited amount of games to really pick from. And unless you've been watching some of these guys, and if your scouting department's good, you've been watching them, watching them for a couple of years, um, which is <laughs> puts the Sabres in a weird spot because they fired their entire scouting department last year. So, you know, you have to you have to have a, a, a great dossier on these guys, you know, leading up to this, you know, and it's not just like as a preventative measure. It's just you have to have the research done. You have to know how they're how they're projecting forward. You know, do you get a sense? Do you get a sense? This is a two horse race right now. Is that what your your sense is? Yeah, I I do. Um, there are some interesting guys that'll be right behind him. Uh, Ackland, the kid out of Sweden. Uh, Edvinson is another defenseman that's going to be of note high in the lineup. Uh, Mason McTavish is another guy who's interesting because he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of fun two way center comparisons. So, but like th those are you know I think at least in Marchment or. Uh, uh, McTavish's case, he's a guy that you'd be able to get a little bit lower down. But I think if you, you know, 
if you take him at like one or two, you're probably going to get a lot of eyebrows. Like just wait, what, what do you like? What are you doing there? You can trade back. But I think the issue with trading back this year is you don't know what anybody's board is going to be like, because every, you know, the scouting is going to be all over the place and you don't know who's the best at video scouting. Who's, you know, who's got that game down that they can get things figured out. Like you don't know for sure. You can guess based on how teams have drafted in the past, but you don't really know. And I think that's, that's why when, you know, if I'm, you know, if you ask me who the Sabres are picking, I don't really, I don't really know because I don't get a feel. I don't, I couldn't get a feel for what uh, Jeremiah Crow and, and Kevin Adams were up to last year. I had no gut feeling on anything. And they, they proved me wrong when they took Jack Quinn first, because I was convinced it was going to be Marco Rossi. Um, but they, but they went for Quinn instead. And I don't know. I've got a lot of issues with that pick still. I mean, we'll see, we'll see how the future turns out, but um, but yeah, I, I really don't have a feel for how they, how they, what they view the biggest weaknesses are through the pipeline for this team. Because right now, I think it's a dead heat between forward and defenseman, and you need way more forwards than you do defensemen. Well, I'll, I'll say this: obviously, I'm glad as a Sabres fan that they won the draft. I mean, you want to have the first pick if you're going to be shitty, at least you know get the first pick. So right. that you don't have any excuses. You can't say I like this guy when he went, and you know this and that. This is. You got the pick of the litter, literally the pick of the litter right now. One thing I've noticed, and listen, man, I don't know. I'm not even going to try to front. If it's football, I, I do my homework. And by the time the NFL draft comes, I'm locked in. I know all these players. I know a lot about them. Kind of ditto for the NBA. Baseball, I don't even try to pay attention to with the draft. Hockey, no. But the difference is because the Sabres are always in the top five to 10 pretty much every year. Yeah. I kind of get a pretty good idea of the top 10 players at least. And I go and I look at a lot of NHL mock drafts on the internet and they're relatively consistent. At least the top, like one to four, maybe five picks are pretty consistent. And then it kind of gets all over the place. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I've looked at five or six different mock drafts from different websites. And I'm talking to athletics, some sporting news, a bunch of, you know, pretty well-known entities here. They're all so different. Like I see Eklund's fifth on one board. He's third on the other. He's ninth on the other. Um, Luke Hughes on one. He's not even in the top 10 in one draft. And he's third in another. It's just uh it's just all over the place. There's not there's definitely no consensus. That's for uh that's for damn sure. I get a sense, Owen Power, and again, let me preface this. I don't know the first thing about him, man. Okay. I, I'm not even trying to pretend I do, but I get a sense that that he wouldn't be the popular choice. Now it's about winning. It's about building a mm -hmm. good team. It's not about fan approval and TV rating points. More on that in a second, by the way. But man, you know, the last thing this franchise needs is another heralded prospect coming in that to a fan base that like kind of feels like they don't even want him. You know, and that's mm -hmm. not going to play a part in the draft, but it's like, if he is the pick, I kind of feel bad, especially if they continue to struggle because it's like fans are just going to look for a reason to shit on the pick and say, oh, you had another you know, a mistake or whatever. You know what I mean? I just, I don't yeah. think he would be the popular pick. Yeah, there's, I mean, everybody, it's easy to want to pull the rug out on the leadership of this team. And, you know, last year was pretty underwhelming that they that they picked Quinn first. And that's not fair to him. That's completely not fair to him. I mean, he had, he had a great season in, in juniors. And, you know, you can understand why you'd, why you'd make that pick. This time around, I think that the initial consensus from, for most of the fans is that Owen power is not going to be the guy. And everybody's just like, geez, we just took a defenseman, you know, three years ago. What are we even doing here? You know, is this going to be the right call? Well, I don't know. He's playing really damn good for Canada at, at world championships. So is Matty Benyers until he, he 
destroyed his ankle uh, today. Um, he was getting a lot more ice time playing on the top line. So if you thought Worlds was going to help separate the two, I don't think it really did. If anything, it made the case that power might be a lot better than than some people thought. Uh, but Benier's fitting in the way he did. And you know, granted, these rosters are not that great at Worlds. I mean, it's even less than previous years because a lot of guys were just like, listen, this season was tough. I'm not going, I'm not going to go play friggin' worlds. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys just don't even do it anyways. But, um, but I think uh, when it comes down to it, I think everybody's going to want a forward. I think the fans want a forward because they, because they see what the writing on the wall, when it comes to Jack and the Sam and, right. and how things are going. And they're like, we're going to need guys here. And we know free agency ain't the way. We and you know if if you are trading those guys, you better get forwards in return because otherwise there ain't going to be anybody on this team to score any damn goals. So that I think that that kind of makes the decision for the fans. But you know because because defensemen sometimes you got to wait, you got to wait a couple of years before they really grow into it. And listen, Owen Power is a big dude. He's a, he's a big kid, um, but he doesn't use his size to his advantage as much as he should. So I think. When, when you hear descriptions like that and people are immediately like, oh, geez, Tyler Myers all over again. And I was like, well, well, he's not that big, but also he doesn't throw his body around. So you get you get stuff like that. And um, you're going to have a lot of people probably really hating on Owen Power if he's the if he's the pick, because it doesn't address the most. The most important need just in general for for this team, because they've got they've gotten more production out of, out of the draft picks on defense. And honestly, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, I forget if it was Chad uh, Monasis or if it was somebody else pointed out on Twitter, their last four top 32 picks were all defensemen. Left handed. Um, wasn't it like left shot defensemen too, or something like that? Uh, Maybe not. No, but it's like, you know, you had Ryan Johnson, like they always took a, a defenseman with one of those picks. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was Ryan Johnson, it was Matias Samuelson, uh, it was Darlene, and who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting somebody else. Um, but yeah, regardless. But yeah, if they take power, it would be four. I think if they take power, it would be four. Um, so like that's that's kind of fresh in your mind when you when you think about these things and you're just kind of like, mm, all right, like that's a lot of defensemen that should be in the pipeline. Like, where are these guys now? Like, okay, let's get some forwards. We need to score. I don't think that ultimately, um, I don't think that marketing is going to play a big role in, in who they pick. Again, it's about build, building the best team you can. So if they think Owen Power is the best player, I still think ultimately they'll take him. But mm-hmm. I also don't think that marketing is going to be lost on this election. And you kind of hit on this. Jack and Sam, they might not be there. And getting a, a forward might be a good uh, PR move as well. Mm-hmm. Now, again, just so we're clear, I'm not trying to say that that's the reason why ultimately the Bills or the Bills, the Sabres w- would draft uh, Beignets over power. That said, though, because like last week, we kind of glanced over this a little bit. TV ratings in Buffalo for hockey fell nearly 35% um, over this past year. They were second or better a dozen straight years, and this year they dropped to fourth, which is still good, but that's not good for Buffalo, man. That's a big drop, 35%. What do you do about it, though? Because this team is lacking. I think they're lacking, besides not being good, they're lacking stars to begin with. And they could get a lot worse because there's a good chance, a realistic, someone even say a probable chance that they lose Jack and Sam this summer. So this is a team without stars that's not very good right now. 
I, I, there's no quick fix, obviously, but what the hell do you do about it to get fans interested in watching this team? I would think that maybe having the first draft pick, that's something they could really market. But who's to say he's even going to be a Buffalo Sabre this coming season anyway, man? Mm-hmm. What the hell does this team do to get some of these fans back? It's... um. It's a really, it's a really hard question because it, it, the, it, the, I mean, the easy answer is just, just win games. Like, but since that's not the easy thing to get done, um, trying to find ways to, to, to really market this team. And I mean, they, they, you have to start centering it around cousins and Darlene. You have to kind of put Jack and, and Sam on the back burner till you figure out what, you know, what they're up to. Cause I mean, if you trade Jack and, you know, if Sam sticks around, well, then you're probably putting the, the C on Sam. Where you're waiting, waiting a couple of years and throwing it on cousins, because um, I is that I don't the Joe? I don't mean to cut you off, but realistically, yeah. is that the best? I think Sabres fans is that the best they could hope for is Jack Eichel's probably as good as gone, but maybe mm-hmm. they trade Eichel and find a way to to make Sam want to stay here and get something done with him. Do you think that's like the realistic best case scenario for this team this summer? Yeah, I I, I would a hundred percent say so, especially after he he kind of proved himself at center you know, after all these years of, you know, not, not a, not being good at it to start off with, you know, cause throwing an 18 or 19 year old at center right away is tough. You know, not everybody can be Jack and just be awesome or, or McDavid. Like those, those are, you know, and Matthews, like those are three of the best players in the entire, in the entire league that of course they were good at it right away, but you know, Sam's a damn good player. And he really showed it this season on an absolutely dog shit team where he, took off and was just like, Hey, I scored 25 in this short season. Probably could have got 35 this year. If it was a normal year, like playing center, like that's pretty awesome. And he, you know, he didn't look lost. He, he just played great. So if you do move Jack and if you can convince Sam to stay, well, you've got your, you got your one C like that's, you don't have to worry about that now. And if, if you got him and then cousins, if you take Ben years, maybe he's your third, Maybe you just tell him to go to Michigan for a year and come back next year. Like that might be the better idea. You know, I think the same goes for Owen Power. They're both going to Michigan. So like, <laughs> you know, that can, my, my early pick for national title next year is Michigan. So let's just, <laughs> let's just say that. But, um, but I mean, it's, you know, but you know, like you figured out, you've got somebody in middle stat now, like you've got him going good. Um, roots, you know, R2 roots aligning seems like a, pretty damn good player he's really good at where he's playing really well at worlds for finland he's you know now that they don't worry about the rink size form anymore for, for crying out loud like you know they were always worried about how well he would adjust to the smaller rink and it's like well, it's hockey he'll figure it out in a couple of games and you know they just waited on calling him up just like idiots but um but you like i mean if you but you can you can pay eight hundred thousand dollars and get a number four center if it comes down to it like you don't have to, you don't have to drop, you know, millions of dollars on a guy that's going to play minimal minutes on your fourth line. I mean, besides Zemgus will be back next year. And if you really want him to do that, you can have him play center. He's done it before. So um, from that, from that part, I mean, yeah, Reinhardt, if Reinhardt wants to stay, that's the ultimate win because Jack, I mean, to me, Jack is 95% outdoor as far as I'm concerned. Kevin Adams, the way he talked about uh, the Jack situation uh, yesterday or the, the other day, Scherf's made it seem like he's 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 drawn a line in the sand and said, "Listen, pal, you're not getting the surgery. I don't, yeah, I don't care. Our doctors and your doctors say don't do it, so you're not getting it." And that's just even being even more of a hard ass about that, even though, even though he decided to take time out to thank the Pagulas once again for for whatever reason. But 
Yeah, and that did not play well, man. Geez, I mean, that, he's, that not, he's not well. even asked about them, and he just brings them up. It's like, buddy, oh. like, quit brown nosing. You got the job already. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's <that>. Stop. <laughs> that did not play well. By the way, side note, wouldn't be a podcast episode without hearing uh, fire truck sounds when Joe's talking from the West Side. Just like it wouldn't be a podcast. Every time I have Chris Baker on, literally every time, his dogs are going to go barking at some point <laughs> in the show. That's like a staple in this podcast. So it's Joe's fire trucks. Or Chris Baker's dogs yapping while we're uh, while we're talking, but yeah, I agree with you 100. At the end of the day, I think so. There's been so much promise. Whether it was trading for Taylor Hall, whether it was trading for Ryan O'Reilly, whether you know tanking for Jack Eichel and getting Sam Reinhardt and some of these other Rasmus Dahlin winning the lottery and everything's failed. At the end of the day, I don't think anything's going to matter. The only way to turn the fans around is to start winning at least being reasonably competitive, even if they didn't make the playoffs next year, just to be reasonably competitive and in a race to the end of the season, playing some meaningful games in March. That's what's going to make fans, I think, uh, give a shit. What do you think right now about, and we're going to get to our segment in just a minute here. How much does it hurt, do you think, now we're talking hockey overall, not just the Sabres, with the playoffs, which by the way, Toronto blowing a 3-1 series lead. That's uh, a... <laughs> That was that was that was interesting, and Sabres fans really got a a good kick out of that because I mean, dude, numbers don't lie. You know, for all these stars in Toronto and all the you know these good teams that they have, they have not won a series since two thousand and four, and the Sabres have won as recently as two thousand and seven. Six straight times they've lost in the first round. You know, you hate to see it. Not, really. <laughs> but 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 anyway, how much do you think it hurts? Because they have some star players, and mm-hmm. now the NHL's into the second round. How much does it hurt having so many of these top stars gone quickly? Uh, Connor McDavid and a couple of Leafs guys that we just saw, Matthews and Tavares. Sid Crosby's gone. Ovechkin's gone. I mean, you know, it's early in the playoffs, and these big-name guys are, are gone. Do you think that hurts it on a mainstream level, or do you think maybe that because there's enough good players still in the playoffs that it doesn't matter all that much? I don't know what the ratings are, but to me, it's just a cash fan, but it's not the Sabres. Mm-hmm. I'm a casual fan. I'm like, man, there's a lot of stars. I don't know if I want to watch this. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely a bummer. Like we, that that's that's the, it's the easiest best way you can put it. It's a it's a huge bummer to not have those guys still around. But I mean, that's that's what happened. You know, the Caps and Penguins are aging. Like that's you know, it, th- this time was going to come down the road eventually. That was just going to happen. Um, in Toronto's case, I mean. They did a lot to last this, you know, last season to try to get themselves into a better spot to be able to to be able to push through, and even got a sweetheart setup with a dumb division, where it's just you know a bunch of easy teams to play against, and you know they get bumped off still by their hated rivals. So it's you know you, you lose a lot of that. But I I look around. I mean, this is the time. This is where NHL marketing really needs to get their head screwed on straight because yeah, I've mentioned this before. Do something about publicizing your stars. Never mind the teams. Like teams are the teams. People are going to root for the teams. And it, the ratings have shown through the years that you know if a popular team bows out early, the fan, all their fans go with it. Like that's just it. They're gone. Like you know, Chicago doesn't make the playoffs. You're getting nobody in Chicago really giving a crap. You know, Buffalo is the only Buffalo and Pittsburgh are the only two weird cities where they just watch no matter what. Like they they don't care if our team's in it or not. We're still watching. Um, but when you lose these other teams because and you lose some kind of general, you know, nationwide sort of appeal because you're you're not pressing the star button, 
and you're pressing the team button, well, that's that's stupid. You're hyper localizing everything instead of pushing national views for for everybody. I mean, I look at Tampa Bay. I mean, you got Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman. Holy crap, man. Like they won the cup last year and you, and you know, and everybody's asked this question about, oh, where are all the stars? And I'm like, I don't know. That one team's got three of them. <laughs> right. Like and Vasilevsky is an unbelievable goal. They got four stars. Like that's four big guys right there. So that's a, that's a huge thing. Boston's got Patrice Bergeron. He's maybe like the most beloved player in the NHL. Everybody loves Patrice Bergeron. Even Boston, even Buffalo fans would be hard pressed to say like they hate him. Like, they hate Marshan. Maybe they hate Pasternak for some reason, but you don't hate Patrice. Nobody hates Patrice Bergeron. And, you know, like, like that, those are, those are huge stars. And, you know, I know they hate Taylor Hall in Buffalo. But like that's another huge, I mean, he's a big star. He's an absolutely big star. And, you know, I, I, the Islanders are the weird one where they are the team. You know, that is the team play right there. Like if you just want to press the team button, the aisles are it. But like, if you're watching the game, uh, an Islanders game and it's in, if it's on Long Island, you're watching because the fans are going apeshit. Like you're watching, you're watching that to see them give the other team absolute hell, which is going to be great to see how how the Boston how Boston Bruins react to that. Because imagine that playing with you know with either minimal fans at home or no fans anywhere else, and then walking into the the old Nassau Coliseum that's going to be packed out with insane Long Island fans that are feeling it for their team. It's going to be batshit crazy like that's gonna be that's gonna be great but like that makes you want to watch because they're gonna ride the Bruins the entire game and every time they score it's gonna be you know they're all gonna be doing the uh, the Daniel Bryan yes chant they're gonna be going nuts so like that's that's cool like that's that's at least gives you the atmosphere and you know with you know with Montreal and Winnipeg I mean Carey Price he's he's pretty great but now people are watching because they got bloodlust after what happened with uh, what happened with Shifley and Evans uh, last night? Like, people are waiting to see how you know if there's going to be retribution there. If Shifley doesn't get suspended and uh, for a lot of games, and he comes back in that series, oh my god! Like, whatever game, if he comes back in that series, it's going to be hell. Like, <laughs> that's going to be horrible. And then the best series, the most fun one, Vegas and Colorado. They're playing every game at ten o'clock at night Eastern. That sucks. <laughs> Every yeah. game in that series is, I mean, Colorado's up 2 nothing, but last night's game was awesome. Like, sh- like Flurry was amazing. Grubauer was great, too. But, like, again, that game ends because of a soft penalty call in overtime, and Colorado takes advantage of it after letting everybody get away with murder. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that kind of pisses people off, too, because they're just like, listen, you know, why is this a penalty in, in the regular season? Why is it not now? And how does that penalty get called in overtime? And it wasn't called at all, all game. So you can have a great series that's super fun to watch and you want to watch a best of 15 series with them. But at the same point, it's just kind of like, but without that stuff, like keep that stuff out of it. I think, you know, the NBA is just so much better at marketing their stars than NHL or or MLB as well. I think that's a big problem with baseball is I don't think they do a good enough job marketing their stars. Like, yeah, the NBA, I mean, like LeBron and Kawhi Leonard and, Mm-hmm. Giannis and Luca and Dame and all, all these guys. And I find myself, I mean, I'm a big basketball junkie, but even if I wasn't like, I'm not a Clippers fan and I'm not a Dallas Mavericks fan, but man, Luca's playing against Kawhi in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of locked in. I, I think the NHL needs to do a much better job of going beyond just the guys that I listed that are out of it. You just mentioned a bunch of great players that are in it, but I think there's a lot of casual fans who know very little, if nothing uh, about some of these guys, I don't know, maybe going to ESPN and, and TNT will, Maybe I'll do a little something to, to boost the sports so. and marketing. 
I, I hope. I would so, hope so. Too. Oh my god! Yeah. If you can, if ESPN can't help you out, or if TNT can't get like a studio show to like really pull you around, man, you you got problems because they because they got some creative stuff. Like the TNT basketball stuff is incredible. Like Ernie Johnson with Shaq and Kenny Smith, uh, Charles Barkley now too in there. Like that's perfect. Like that's the perfect mix of people that don't give a shit. They'll say whatever they want. And they don't like they don't care about lighting each other up when it, you know, if they say something stupid like Shaq or Kenny won't let Charles get away with something dumb and they'll they'll go at it like that's great. Hand to God, many 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 times I have watched inside the NBA on TNT before the games and didn't watch the games or I didn't watch the games and I li- watched the highlights after and some of their breakdowns. They've done a lot for the sport of basketball TNT. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's been great. Hopefully we'll see what happens, but. You know, the, the playoffs are fun, and it's just a shame that they don't do a better job of uh, marketing the stars. We'll see how the ratings come. I, I haven't seen them. But anyway, a lot of big names done. All right, let's finish up with our weekly starting five draft. I uh, got to go back to last week. Happy I won. I got to tell you, though, man. It's bullshit. Obviously, I'm happy I won. Yeah. It's so bullshit. I, well, well, I'm still upset. I'm still upset. I think it's bullshit that it wasn't closer. It ended up being 58-42, and we talked about this on the show last week. I expected a four to five point swing one way or the other, mm-hmm. but that kind of ended up, uh, it was pretty decisive. I ended up with 58%, you ended up with 42. I had, this was HBO original series and mini series. I drafted the Sopranos, Game of Thrones, Oz, Entourage, and Veep. Joe took The Wire, Curb, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, of course, Deadwood, Six Feet Under, and Chernobyl. Honestly, I think going by some comments, I kind of feel like, and I don't agree with this, and this has happened to me so many times mm-hmm. when I used to do this with Dell every week. I felt good about my team, but it just didn't resonate with fans. I don't know if they're younger fans voting or what. I don't know what the demographics are, but Six Feet Under, good show, but it, it premiered like 20 years ago. I felt like that didn't pull well, and maybe Chernobyl on the back end. I, I think that might have hurt you a little bit in the uh, in the polling booth. Great fucking series don't get me wrong but you picked entourage like that i did that's a pop- <laughs> people, people were killing you for that like i yeah yeah but it was popular though man and and it, i think it, it resonated you know what i think too is using these drafts i don't think having the first pick has mattered yet no but this this time i think it did i do think it happened oh, 100%. me getting the sopranos me getting the sopranos Having that first pick, I think, was a huge advantage to me. Oh, so than- many people just voted for you just based on the Sopranos. They're like, well, I got Sopranos. That's a winner. I'm like, are you fucking serious? You see the other shows I picked? God damn it. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, but some of these some of these uh, categories that we've done, I don't think having the first pick made, it's kind of like the NHL draft this year. I don't think there's a consensus on all these categories. You can make an argument for three or four. But mm-hmm. when it came to this category, there's no argument. You would have taken the Sopranos. And ninety five percent of the people out oh, yeah. there would have taken the Sopranos with their, with their first pick. Because honestly, I don't see every time I do this, whether it was with you or with Dell previously, I always see one or two picks, and I'm like, man, either me, man, I'd love to have that back because I, I didn't like it, or vice versa with whoever it is, whether it's you or Dell. But honestly, I look at all five, and I'm like, there's no picks I think that uh that you messed up on. I really no, don't. I wouldn't take any of them off the board. You know, I, there, there's not a one that I am. I look back and I go, oh, geez, I messed up. No, I, I, wa- I walk away from that draft very happy and like, OK, like th- that, that to me is like the Eichel, McDa- you know, Eichel McDavid draft. Like 
you picked first, you got McDavid. Okay, fine. Well, the rest of my draft fucking kicks ass. And I'll, li- I'll line up my starting five against yours every time and feel confident about it. <laughs> Maybe it's a conspiracy against you, man. Well, I listen, I, like it ended up being 58-42. I had to hustle. I had to hustle for the, like a let to gain 11 points because you were beating my head in like 69-31 at one point. I was just like, what the hell's going on here? Like, this is stupid. I had to, I had to do some polling. I had to do some real roustabout nonsense and hustle people to be like, are you are you kidding me with this? Are you serious? Like, come on. <laughs> I think people are, have been feeling a little bit sorry for me lately, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you rightfully owned me two weeks ago. You rightfully yeah, owned yeah, me two weeks ago. Yeah, I agree ago. about that. Yeah, this you week rightfully got been, me. But last week should have been much closer. I still feel like I should have won, but it, like I said, it should have been much closer than it was. Maybe like a 52 48, something like that. I'm just, I just, th- th- that was one where I was frustrated that I wanted people to like, no, at, listen to the podcast, listen to how it broke down because people were accusing me of not picking the Sopranos. I'm like, buddy, I didn't have a chance to. Like, you, like get out of my face. That is, that's one annoying part of these polls that there's not really much you could do about. I agree with you 100%. I wish I could put a, 15 to 25 minute YouTube clip up of mm-hmm. this audio section and, and play the whole draft. But truth is people are going to look over the picks and they're going to vote. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of people do listen as well. And thank you very mm-hmm. much to everyone who is, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who vote who don't listen to your reasoning. They're just going to look at the list and draw a quick conclusion. I do that all the time. I look at oh, it sure. on Twitter. I don't think about it. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll vote. Cause I want to, cause you need to vote to see what the results are. The percentages very clever mm-hmm. by Twitter. So People vote just for that reason. But anyway, this week we're going to do mobster slash gangster movies. The only thing I want to preface before we get going is that this isn't automatically necessarily when I say mobster or gangster movies, this isn't automatically an Italian mafia category. It's self-explanatory. If it's about, it's about the mobs, if it's about gangsters, it's mm-hmm. eligible. Very self-explanatory. Now, I said last week I had the Sopranos first overall that helped me. Let's see if that'll matter to you because you're going to get the first pick and then I'm going to get the next two. Same rules as always. We're going to draft five. I'm going to put it on Twitter afterwards and give fans an opportunity to vote. So on that note, this is going to be a tough one. I, it's I going to be very hard. It's, yeah, um, it is. My pre-scout on this, knowing that I had first pick, is very difficult because I'm, I'm pretty sure no matter which one that I pick first, the next two that I had lined up, you're going to take those two. I'm, I'm pretty confident too. Positive of that. Yeah. But with that yeah. said, I have to pick the greatest, the greatest movie, and it's The Godfather Part Two. That would have that was my number one too. I'm not gonna lie. To you. <laughs> Before you even get into anything else, I'll cut you off and tell you right away that was my number one pick too. So if I had the first pick, I was going there. Go ahead. So yeah. So I I, I mean. The first movie is incredible, and I have a very funny feeling we're going to hear that name called very soon. Um, but the, uh, but everything that happens in the second is just like, whoa! Like, it blows you away. Like, it, everything about that where the first movie, you're kind of rooting for Michael. You're kind of like, all right, Michael, go get him, buddy. The second movie, you're like, what a piece of shit. Oh, my God, he's he's the guy. Oh, my God, he's... He's wreaking havoc on everybody and you get to see what an awful person he is. And then you're just like, it's the full teardown. It's the Walter White. See, Uh-oh. the firehouse agrees with me here. It's the Walter <laughs> White thing where like you, you start kind of rooting for him early on. 
And you're like, all right, yeah, he's got cancer. He's getting screwed over and he's sticking it to these drug dealers. Cool. And then at the end of it, you're like, wow, I wish he'd just die already. Why does like <laughs> everybody agrees with Jesse Pinkman? He can't keep getting away with it. Like that's like that's the whole thing. And that's what that's the way it is with, with Michael Corleone. Like you're just like, oh, my God, this guy, this guy's horrendous. Like he's done everything that he can to just to just be the man. And he's terrible. <laughs> he's absolutely terrible. That was, again, I can't even lie to you. I can't even say, you know, it would have been on my list. That was number one on my list, too. If I would have had the first pick, that was, if you took anything else, I was all over that. That would have been my top pick, too. That's mm-hmm. one of the few movies I've ever seen where it's great as a prequel because it goes back in time. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, and then it's a sequel to the original as well. It just serves two purposes, man. And man, that, that, that was my number one for sure. Um, all right, so I got two. And again, I'm just going to continue the Godfather day. I'm not going <laughs> to, no suspense here. The Godfather one is going to be my first round pick. You can't watch a mob movie and enjoy them without at least watching the OG, the Godfather mm-hmm. one, man. Marlon Brando like won like everything that year. Yeah. Uh, what was it? 19, I'm looking up. 1972. Yo, that movie is old, man. That's almost 50 years old. No, Marlon Brando is Don Vito. And then you had a young Al Pacino and, and mm-hmm. James Caan and, Robert Duvall, and then you Diane Keaton. It's just unbelievable cast. Francis Ford Coppola, of course, is director. Nine, no, my, my bad. Ten Oscars I got nominated for, and won three, including Best Picture and Best Actor. So, yeah, I'm going Godfather 1, and I don't think this is a surprise either, but I'm coming back to uh, Goodfellas is going to be yeah. my second one. My pre-scout again, was correct. <laughs> yeah, your pre-scout was definitely correct. Goodfellas, for me, the difference between Goodfellas and the Godfather's one and two is I still would have taken Godfather two and then one. Um, Goodfellas is a little more modern, a little more more relatable watching it because you know I was nineteen twenty years old or whatever uh, when, when they came out. I probably watched that movie like ten times at least mm-hmm. from start to finish. I mean, De Niro and Pesci. Well, I mean, come on, man. Martin Scorsese directing it. It was just uh, there's not a lot to say because I'm sure pretty much anyone listening they've seen this. So I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't know. But yeah. <laughs> So if you haven't seen right. it, what are you doing wrong? You yeah, know? I mean, I, if, if you haven't seen this, what the hell are you doing with your life? Even my 18 year old son who doesn't watch shit except play YouTube videos all day on, and watch whatever <laughs> dumb shit he watches on uh, TV. Even he's watched Goodfellas with me, by the way. So anyway, yeah, the first three played out. I didn't know who you were taking first, but I knew who I was taking with the next two. So, all right. So now did you're you going to be the on same, the board. Did you have the same feeling, though, that it was going to be one of those three? Yes. Okay. All yeah, right. I that, did. I, 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 I assumed I assumed I, I had a feel I, I was 70 percent sure you were taking Godfather two and 30 percent sure you were taking Godfather one. It was definitely going to be one of those two, which, by the way, they're all the, and they're the right picks, too. But this mm-hmm. is where it gets a little bit interesting, because, again, the first three were locks. It's a draft where there's no surprises. But now people are tuning in. Mock drafts, people who did mock drafts, they knew they were going to get the first three right. But now mm-hmm. is when it starts to get a little more interesting because there's a lot of places uh, and a lot of movies that draw from. So you're on the board and you got two. And you're right. This is where it gets very difficult um, because this is where when I was breaking down my list, when I asked you, I said, are we just doing straight up like Italian mafia movies or are we just doing everything? Because if it was just straight up Italian mafia movies doing five of those gets really difficult because, sure. <laughs> because, because you got to really do some research for, for some sure. of those deeper ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but broadening, broadening things out makes this way more fun and more interesting because my next pick is going to be boys in the hood. 
Good pick. Good pick. That that movie is, you know, there are other movies in that that's that's sort of like uh like gangbanger genre. And I then we might see a couple more of them coming up. But that movie is like that's the that's the top one for me because that really put it on the map. That put everything on the map. And John Singleton just absolutely crushed that picture. He was just so damn good with it. And Cuba Gooding Jr. in that movie just just an unbelievable performance up and down. And it's to me, it's one of those like it, it's an iconic movie of the '90s because you know when, when you know rap really took off with you know the West Coast scene and everything, and then you know everything you saw in in the news was just a lot about how you know gang fights you know bloods and the crips and all them going at it in in southern california and you heard a lot about it but this is like the the one movie where you actually saw it put on display and you know it's a movie so like you take it take it for what it's worth but you've actually got an idea of what that life was like and it was like wow okay really put you in your place. And that's the story that Singleton told with that, because it's just, it's such a good picture and it's gut wrenching to watch because it's, it's a hard watch, but man, it's 30 is it years, 30 years later, it stands the test of time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that was the main reason why I, I wanted, I was hoping very hopeful that things were going to broaden out with that because that was, because it was just that good of a movie. Um, the next one, I'll confess. I am not a big fan of this movie. Like I, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, for a lot, for a couple of reasons, but the one reason I love it is for one man's performance in it alone. And it's Scarface. Right. Pa- as soon as you said Pacino, that one performance, because <laughs> Pacino yeah. is so goddamn good in that entire movie. It's out of this world. And like that performance is so, and it's not even like an over the top thing. It's not like he's, he's like making fun of things. But my God, like just leaning into a role and just crushing it. Like there's a lot of stuff in that movie. I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, like I don't need it. I don't need it. You know, but I but with the way he plays it off. Oh, my God, man. Like that. That makes that movie good on its own. Like whether you like the story or not. And I don't really like the story that much. But Pacino in that I'll watch a movie. I don't like if the actor in it, actor or actress in it owns the owns a role so much that it makes it worth watching. That's one of those for me. That's a great pick. It's on my short list as well. Great story. The Miami drug scene is just, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was awesome. That was on my short list. All right. So I got two here. Uh, and again, the first three I had in one tier and the other ones aren't really ranked. I don't have them ranked because I could go like five or six different ways. You know, I'm going to go the untouchables. I don't nice. know if you saw that or not, but oh, yeah. Uh, First of all, a great cast. Yeah, Kevin Costner and Sean Connery, Andy Garcia, Robert De Niro, which seems to be, by the way, a common theme with a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of these picks. He played Al Capone. This movie, so it was. It came out in '87. This was like my legitimate true education because I didn't pay attention in school, but I watched movies. This was like my education about prohibition. You know, mm-hmm. I was 15, 16 years old when this movie came about because that's what essentially it was all about. Got nominated for four Oscars. Sean Connery won one for best supporting actor. Yeah, man, you know, to also taught me a lot about corruption because, you know, the cops being greased. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had saw that in the Godfather and stuff like that before, but again, that movie was really high up for me. Uh, and then I got one more here, you know, I don't know how this will play with fans. I, I really don't care. Cause this is one of my personal favorites, <laughs> a, a Bronx tale. 
I nice. love I love a Bronx tale, man. De Niro, again, Robert De Niro, uh, Chaz Palmieri, Lilo Brancato as, as Colangelo. Uh, it was just a, a great coming of age movie about a kid who grew up idolizing the mob and wanting to be part of that life, you know, and his, his dad, the struggle, he didn't want it for mm-hmm. him. His dad was a bus driver trying to keep him out of trouble. It was just like some great inner struggle stuff, which by the way, turns out that character had inner struggles in real life. Uh, Colangelo ended up being involved in a murder. He didn't pull the trigger or anything, but he spent many years in jail for that shit. Became a junkie. I've heard a lot of his stories uh, over the last couple years. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I feel good about those. They're kind of older movies, but whatever, I'll take them. And I know I'm kind of staying on the same path here, but yeah, Untouchables and A Brock's Tale. So that's going to leave you with two more to finish up. Okay. Now, a funny thing about Bronx Tale, real quick. My dad saw that. My dad loves mob movies too. Uh, he watched A Bronx Tale and he hated it. And his reason why was the, you know, the kid grows up worshiping Mickey Mantle and then he gives up on Mickey Mantle at some point. And my dad goes, there's no way, yeah. no way anybody would give up Mickey Mantle if they grew up a Mickey Mantle fan. There's just no yeah. way. He goes, that's the most unbelievable <laughs> part of that entire story. Your dad's very <laughs> astute. Your dad's very astute because that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so for my next two, now I'm glad. I, my list is is kind of short. I didn't really go very exhaustive with this. And I still got a, I still got a few movies on here. The unfortunate part is that one of them I've only seen once and it's been a long time. And that's really unfair because it was a really good movie and I can't, I can't in good faith pick it, but I really want to, but instead I'm, I'm going to go first off with a movie that I did watch a lot. And I love it. It's the Coen brothers, Miller's crossing, which okay. it's, it's another, it's another mob. It's a mob movie and it's a classic early Coen brothers kind of movie. Like it's not that, kind of you know dark humor fargo kind of thing but this is a movie where it's just it's draw like it's a drama movie like everything about it is just so perfectly coen brothers and it's it's one that doesn't i mean it, you know listen fargo and big lebowski and those movies get all the attention they deserve it's it's rightfully so but this was one of his earlier films and man it's so good and it's one of those movies where you understand why they started getting better stories because they, they, they were able to tell this one so well and shoot it. And like the cinematography in this movie is just so impressive uh, the way it plays out. And I, that's the case with all of their movies. Cause they just get some incredible shots. But, um, but this one was like a mob movie that when you watch it, you, I mean, you know, it's a mob movie, but you didn't feel like it was a mob movie. Like you're just kind of like, wow, it was a really good, that was a really good movie. But then you're like, wait a minute, no, that's that's totally a mob story. But it wasn't done with all like the the, the glitz and glam that you get from like a Scorsese, like uh, a Scorsese type movie. And my other one, am I going to actually pick it? Um, no, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stay I'm gonna stay on Scorsese. I'm gonna pick Casino. Hmm, that's on my list too. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I might have, I might have taken that. By the way, that might have been, <laughs> been my last pick. It was one of two or three that's on my short list. Go ahead. But uh, Casino, I mean, again, it's De Niro, it's De Niro and Pesci, more importantly, and they're they they play off each other so damn well. And then Sharon Stone is just an absolute monster through that entire movie. She's just an, uh, like a a holy terror of just working the whole thing, working the whole system, and it's you know the Vegas 
the Vegas crime scene and, and you're getting into all the dirty stuff from like back in the, you know, sixties and set, you know, I think it was the sixties was the setup for that. And, um, like De Niro, like that, that to me is like one of my favorite De Niro roles because he's just such a, he's just such a dickhead. And, <laughs> and so is Pesci too. Like they're both just absolutely rotten people. And Sharon Stone's not nice either. It's just, it's all bad people doing bad things to each other and just being bad in general, but you love watching it. <laughs> and like that movie, that movie to me is, is just awesome. That scene where Joe Pesci and his brother both got beaten to death with bats Oh, in the, yeah, that, that was. I to this day oh God, have a yeah. hard time being able to sit through and watch that. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, all right, that that's a good pick. And that was a. Here's the funny thing. All right, so I got the last pick of this draft here. I, I got to say this. So I got a list of ten candidates. All right, I wanted to wow. cover myself. Okay. Worst case, this is the this is a fun fact. All seven between the two of us of my the first ten are picked. So my top seven are all gone right now. Ooh. Which means I I got four, but you took three that were on my top seven as well. So um yeah, Scarface, Casino, and Godfather two were on my top seven and okay. you got that. This leaves me one of three right now. And uh God. <laughs> I'm going to I'm I'm picturing in my mind, whichever one I take, I'm picturing two or people bitching about the two I get, no matter what I <laughs> no matter what I do right now. I am going to go, you know what? I got to do it. I'm going New Jack City. Nice. That's going to be, that's going to be my last one. Nice. Wesley Snipes as Nino Brown, man. That shit just ruled. Ice-T, the cop, bringing him down. You had the young Chris Rock playing a crackhead. But beyond just the awesome movie, the soundtrack, the movie, that was kind of like that Mm -hmm. era where it got ushered in of that New Jack swing, that new kind of music. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man. I, I have a really hard time, uh, not picking in. And in fact, I did. You know, I think this, when I look at these uh, these five, and I want to get an honorable mention or two in, but I think we each picked one where I think if fans are listening, that might sway them. Like for you, Miller's Crossing, I think people who that listen to this- That might be a turnoff or movie nerds will be excited about that. Exactly. I feel the same way about New Jack City. I don't know how it's going to play in the polls. I feel like I could have picked one or two that might have been a little bit safer- but I really like New Jack City is kind of an indulgent pick for me. I just, mm-hmm. it's one of the great gangster movies ever, man. Wesley yeah. Snipes was the shit as Nino Brown. He was a badass dude, man. Um, so yeah, I got two that I wanted to mention for uh, honorable mention. Do you have any, do you have one or two that you were uh, considering? So I had two others. And the one I was thinking about, the one that I had seen once and hadn't seen in a long time was Donnie Brasco. Me too. And so I was, that okay. was my struggle just now. That was literally my struggle. It was New Jack City or it was Donnie Brasco. That, that was one of mine. That too. was that was one. And the other one was The Irishman, which again, Scorsese and De Niro, which you know, I watched it and I didn't really like it that much. Like it was trying to it was trying to clue in on all the good stuff that he did, that he did in Goodfellas and Casino and try to try to get back in on that. And then all the weird stuff with making De Niro look young again and everything. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's relax with the, with the technology here, please. I haven't watched it yet because in part it's oh, like spoiler. over three, it's well over. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I, someday I will watch it, but it's like over three hours long. It's a long movie. Yeah. I was going back and forth between New Jack City and Donnie Brasco. And then I got one other one for honorable mention too. And by the way, I think Donnie Brasco is going to be mentioned a lot in the comments. Just so you know mm-hmm. that. As this one. Um, I think it's got maybe the best cast of any movie this century, but The Departed. 
Matt yeah. Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, Martin Sheen, Alec Baldwin. Are you kidding me with that cast? But here's yeah. the problem, Joe. It was not one of my top five favorite mob movies or, nope. or gangster movies. I would have been lying. And I just, I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, look, I'm not above fishing for votes. All right. But in this <laughs> scenario, in this case, I just didn't feel comfortable because if I would have picked that above a Bronx Tale or New Jack City, I would have been lying to myself because I did not mm-hmm. like that movie more than those two. It was a better cast. Yeah. You know, it was a, a bigger movie, probably better known. But eh, I, I just didn't do it. For I still me. can't. But believe, anyway, I, I still can't believe that's the movie Scorsese got best director for. Because that's like, I mean, it's it's a good movie. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. But it's it's an American version of Infernal Affairs. Uh, I think it's a Korean a Korean film. And I mean, it's they tied it into like, you know, the Boston, Ma- you know, the Boston Mafia, the Irish Mafia and all that stuff there. But um, but that's not that's not an original storytelling. Like that's, I mean, the whole thing plays out exactly the same way as Infernal Affairs does. So, I mean, from that, from that point of view, I was just kind of like, yeah, I liked it. And everybody in it is really good, but also like, I don't know, seen it. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird to say. It's just like, I loved every bit of that movie, but like, yeah, I've seen it. You know? It was all right. It was all right. You like, know, it's, it's great. It's good. Uh, you know, if, if it's on TV, I'll watch it, but yeah. One more thing I wanted to mention too, because one of your picks, Scarface, you said you didn't necessarily love the movie, but -hmm. you thought Al Pacino had an all-time great performance. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way about Donnie Brasco. I didn't love Mm -hmm. that entire movie so much, but again, same same actor, by the way, Al Pacino. Him playing, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Lefty Ruggiero. Mm-hmm. The, like the failed gangster, you know, the gangster who fucks up all the time. The, yeah. the washed up gangster who vouches for Donnie Brasco, man, his acting in that movie playing the character he did was just uh, a fucking superb, man. It, it mm-hmm. really was. All right. Let me review these for people to vote. All right. So Joe took, and these are in order, the Godfather two boys in the hood, Scarface, Miller's crossing and Casino, I drafted Godfather 1, Goodfellas, The Untouchables, A Bronx Tale, and New Jack City. I think, I think you're dare, winning this. I think you're winning this. Do we dare have predictions here? I think you're winning it. I, I flat out think you're going to win this. I want to see something be close. You know, I think, think you've got the more name grab. Probably, probably. I would say the Untouchables is probably the five I drafted, probably the least, uh, the least fancy. Like you know, that's not a dashing one. Just like with you, I think Miller's Crossing. Which, by the way, these are all great. By the way, all ten of these are great movies, man. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no, no real losers. The there's no real losers. <laughs> and like I said, and, and Joe and I both recognize this too. It's just people glancing at something on Twitter. It's not a real true indication of who's drafting you know, the best teams. It's just who's glancing on Twitter because there are some people who do listen to us and, and think about it and digest it and then make a pick. Then there's just some people who are scrolling up. Oh, I'll hit that one. Mm-hmm. No, and that's it. But anyway, we'll find out how it goes next week. Um, make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Yernin. And again, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm going to have the poll up. It'll be up all weekend. I'm sure you'll catch it on Joe's timeline too <laughs> as he's pushing for votes. But anyway, that aside, man, the baseball talk, the hockey talk, you know I love having you on the pod every Friday, casual Friday. Thanks, my guy. Appreciate it. You got it, my man. Thanks for having me again.
Alright, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you, as always, my man, Joe Yurden. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. I can't tell you how lucky I am to have Joe on this podcast every single Friday. Now, for the foreseeable future, however long that lasts, it's a, it's a blessing, man. I love talking to Joe, one of my favorite guys. So thank you very much, Joe. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe, rate and review, takes a handful of seconds to do, and I can't tell you enough how much it continues to help me grow this podcast. So please do that. Follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. I'm constantly on Twitter, podcast polls, including this starting five we just did with mobster gangster movies, um, promos, upcoming guests, Sports talk, pop culture talk. I got power rankings up there. All kinds of stuff going on on my Twitter. At Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I really, truly mean it. So many great shows out there. When you're locked into this one, man, it just, uh, it does not go lost on me. Let's just put it that way. I'm very grateful and appreciative and humbled by everybody who locks in. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. Be back with brand new episodes next week.